Does anyone here not have one of these books? Maybe Bob doesn't. Uh, anyone else not have one of these books? Daniel, will you give this to Mr. Adams? Anyone else? <coughs> Wednesday. This is a Wednesday book. Anybody else need this? We've been using this on Wednesday night. If you don't have it, I'll be glad to give one to you, but we're using that. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles and go to Luke chapter 16. We're going to be on page 13. We talked about eternal life the first week. We talked about the Bible last week. These are just things that we need to go over every so often because there's always new people that come along and there's always the need to review. And uh, there's something that doesn't get preached on much and that is hell because it's not a very positive subject. But is there a place of torment? Is there really a place of torment? Is that really, is that really for real? And, and I just want to say for all the people who make believe about heaven, and it's, it's amazing to me how many people are going to heaven according to everybody else. But the Bible says narrow is the way. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. And narrow is the way that leads to life. And the idea that, that few people are going to go to hell and that many people are going to go to heaven is very popular and very not Bible. Very wrong. The opposite is true. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 19, Jesus of all people confirms that there is a hell and there is a place of torment. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19 says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Miss Wilma, where are those girls at? Are you taking care of them? I might make sure you do that, okay? Uh, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggars died, the beggar died and was carried by his angel, angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So, Jesus called it a place of torment. Notice what Abraham said to the, the rich man. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let me just read from the book and we'll get started tonight. There are times in the Bible when the Lord pulls the curtain back and allows us to look into the world beyond. It's a world we don't think about very much. It's a world we don't contemplate because we're so engaged in this world. You listen to talk radio and they're all about this world, whether it's sports or politics or whatever it might be. And so this world is the world that everybody focuses on. And we just tend to be human and, and to look at the temporal and the material 
and the carnal, but rather the world that we see and the world that we think is all important, as the song we just sang said, will all be trash one day, all of it. <clears throat> the only thing that's going to matter is the next world and where we are, and there's only two places that we can go in the next world. And so <clears throat> is there really a place of torment beyond this world? Do people go there? Is torment forever or is it just for a while? Catholics would have and probably the human nature is to say, well, most everybody goes through purgatory for a while or maybe a long while. If they're really bad, they go through a long time. But eventually, everybody gets out of purgatory one way or the other. Uh, but there's not even purgatory in the Bible. And uh, it's a wishful thinking. It's not fact. It's not in the Bible. Do people go to this place of torment? And so we just read in Luke chapter 16 about the rich man. And <clears throat> when he died, he went to hell. The beggar had a name. His name was, it's not was, it's is. His name is Lazarus. He still exists. Lazarus still exists. He's been in heaven for about 2,000 years now. And the rich man's been in hell for 2,000 years. And the rich man, we don't have his name. I think the reason why we don't have his name is because Proverbs says, the name of the wicked shall rot. See, the Bible says that you are saved when you receive Christ and so your name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life permanently recorded it can't be blotted out but if you aren't saved the opposite of saved is so if you're lost that means we don't even know your name anymore this is why in Matthew chapter 7 God can say without lying God can say depart from me I never knew you, which is a horrifying thought because God knows everybody. God has always known everything about everybody. So how can he then say to people, I never knew you? It's kind of like when your computer says, sorry, it's not here. Deleted. And we understand the term saved when it comes to computers. And we understand the term lost when it comes to computers. And that's in my mind, an illustration of what's happening when God says, I never knew you. No, what do you mean you never knew me? According to heaven's records, you're lost. You're just gone. See, if they knew you, then you're not lost. But if they don't know you, then you're lost. And this is a message we need to emphasize and get people to understand. Lost means lost. It doesn't just mean set to the side. No, it does mean what it says, lost. And that's why I think the rich man has no name anymore. Well, he still exists. But he's found out the hard way he no longer exists. And so this is very serious. It's a sobering subject. I was just rereading and reminded of something. There's a, a famous baseball player for the Boston Red Sox a long, long time ago named Ted Williams. He was a great player, 400 batting average when he retired. And uh, I don't know if it was him or if it was his children that did it, but somehow they ended up freezing him in a laboratory in Scottsdale, Arizona at a place called Alcor in something called cryonics. And what I, what I found is it's not just Ted Williams. There's lots of people that have done this. And about 20 years ago, it cost $120,000 to do it. Ted died 120, or excuse me, Ted died 20 years ago. 
And $120,000 will get you, get you frozen in a tube with the hopes that someday they can figure out how to thaw you out and breathe life back into you. And they said, you know, there's no real evidence this has ever happened, but it's better than getting buried in the dirt and then you have no chance at all. The problem with that is, is that both are futile. And my understanding is that someone accused his son of trying to freeze his dad so he could sell his DNA to people so that they could have, you know, maybe children with Ted's DNA and be great baseball players. We live in a goofy world, and uh, it's pretty sad that people would spend a hundred, two hundred thousand to try to freeze their dead body in hopes of a future. Well, I got news for you, and I'm not saying I know anything about Ted Williams. But it ain't freezing that most of them are having a problem with right now. And it isn't the physical body that's freezing or heating up. It's the soul. And yet somehow the soul is able to still feel pain. This is weird, but I have been told that people with amputations can still feel the amputated limb that no longer is there. So when you say, how can they have feelings in hell if they don't have a body? How do you feel your arm itching if you don't have an arm? But there are people that say they do. So, it's serious. It's a place of torment. Now, Jesus talked about hell more than heaven. Boy, he must have been a really negative guy. No. Why did Jesus talk about hell more than heaven? Because Jesus came for this very purpose. Look at chapter 19, verse 10. It says... For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You've got saved and lost in the same verse. What did he come for? He did not come to feed the poor. Did he feed the poor? Yes, he did. He did not come to heal people who were crippled. Did he heal people who were crippled? Yes, he did. He did come and do some miracles, but that's not why he came. The reason he came is to save that which was lost. And any ministry that isn't aimed at saving the lost is second secondary in what they're in their approach to what they're supposed to be doing we're supposed to be saving the lost and helping to see them the, their need for salvation and to seek and to save that which was lost i can only imagine what it would be like for our friend who is currently in the hospital and hospice passing away if at the same age that she is now in the same condition did not have jesus as her savior and was still stuck in the old religion that she didn't have any real hopes in, of calling some priest with a backwards collar and saying some things over her, hoping to make her feel better, and it wouldn't. Do you realize how special it is that Jesus came to save the lost when we see a loved one of ours that's ready to go home, and her whole hope is in Jesus Christ, not in some rosary or some water or some ritual or some anything else from promise from human beings, but rather from the word of God itself. And I try to just quote a simple Bible verse when I go there to talk to her. In fact, she tells me, thank you for saying it slowly and simply. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.1, as our book says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see, before you got saved, you were dead Every human being is stillborn spiritually. We're spiritually dead. Spiritual death means separated from God. And to be separated from God in life means that when we physically die and are separated from our bodies, 
then we find out that not only are we separated from our bodies, but now we will forever be separated from God if we're not saved. And so the human being without salvation is actually dead in trespasses and sins. And the truth is everybody's getting closer to their death date every time they breathe from the time they were born because that's the curse we got from Adam and Eve. So human beings, because of Adam and Eve's sin, have a death awaiting them. And we're spiritually dead as well. It's not pleasant to talk about people going to hell. It's not pleasant for me to talk about people going to hell when I'm uh, speaking to, to a, a group of people and I'm not sure how many of them are even Christians. It's an uncomfortable thing because they don't want to hear it. And it is an uncomfortable thing to talk about. And I have no desire to try to put on some kind of show or antics or scream and holler to scare people. However, I hope people are scared. And I hope even young people are scared. It wouldn't be at all impossible or impractical or, or even wrong if a young person in here tonight said, I, boy, I'm thinking about this subject. Hell, Mom, I'm, I want to talk to you. Dad, I want to talk to you about it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not pleasant to talk about it, but God's word's true, and God wants us to know that hell is real. Otherwise, why would Jesus mention it over and over again? So let's look at some things tonight. Page 14, the proof of this place of torment is given to us in the scriptures. The Bible teaches there's only two places. There's no purgatory or something else. There's only two places where people go. One is heaven and the other is hell. The Bible is our only source of information about hell. And we only know about hell from the Bible. Despite what other people might say, there are these other places that people say is hell on earth. It's not hell. But hell is described for us in enough times in the Bible for us to know what it's going to be like without knowing all there is to know about it. One thing I noticed in Wilma and I, years ago, we were talking, she was dealing with a woman in Wyoming where we used to live where this woman was a Mormon. And uh, Wilma and her were discussing things and we were trying to trade uh, opportunities of witnessing and give her a chance to tell us what she thinks and then we would tell her what, and so we would read. We'd read what the material she gave us, and we would read up and study on things. And and here's what I noticed about Mormons, and I think I can say it about Jehovah's Witnesses and, and Catholics. Catholics, I already mentioned, have a purgatory, which there's still some hope if there's a purgatory. My understanding of the Jehovah's Witnesses, most of them, it's either you're part of the hundred forty-four thousand, and you get to go to heaven, or you're just dirt, and you become worm food you just are annihilated you don't exist anymore and mormons if i'm not mistaken there was something like terrestrial and celestial and basically you had like three different levels and i was looking at the three levels and i thought you know even the lowest level not much worse than it is now according to the mormon doctrine so that's kind of what we responded to her is if the word of god by itself is right and there is a hell you are in big trouble we said to the Mormon friend. However, if we're wrong, if we Baptists who believe only the Bible are wrong and you Mormons are correct, then we just won't get the top level celestial or whatever it is, terrestrial. We just won't get that top level. We'll just be down at the bottom level. But honestly, we're okay in your religion. We're still okay compared to if our religion's right, yours wrong. You see what I'm trying to say? And I don't know if it if it made sense or not, but it's just interesting that in most religions, 
they don't want to talk about hell, so they, they give something else. It's, it's awful, but it's not that. Listen, God's word makes it sound like the most horrible thing imaginable, and it is. It's an unending darkness, and you're forever falling. You know why you're forever falling? Not because you're old and tipsy. You're forever falling because there's no bottom. It's called the bottomless pit. You're just constantly. There is no card playing and beer drinking with your buddies. There isn't even any light. It doesn't say there's light in hell. Well, what about the flames? My understanding is the hottest flame there is is black. Regardless, I don't think I need to prove it scientifically. It's just going to be an awful place. The rich man said, I am tormented in this flame. We just read that. I am tormented in this flame. In Matthew 13, verse 50, Christ said, this is, place is a furnace of fire and where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. How long can you listen to wailing and gnashing? Have you ever listened to a baby wail? How long can you listen to wailing and gnashing of teeth? People just grinding their teeth. Matthew 25 and verse 41. We can turn to Matthew 25 because there's more than just one place. But Matthew 25 and verse 41 says, Watch and pray that you enter not... Excuse me, I'm in the wrong verse. Chapter 25, not 26. 25 and verse 41. It says, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It's an everlasting fire. It's not just a long time fire. It's not just a hundred years or even a thousand years. It's forever. And verse 46 says, go away into everlasting punishment. That's what it is. It's a punishment. There is a hell, a real place of torment. The Bible calls it hell. And so when someone tries to tell you it's Hades or someone tries to soften it by telling you that hell's just the grave, no, it's not. And by the way, I think that's why we don't ever want to say something like you go to hell or to use hell just flippantly as a curse word. There is nothing pleasant about it. It's a place of no kindness. Think about it. There's, there's nobody going to do anything kind in hell. He wanted one drop of water. He didn't get it. No kindness, no friends, nobody smiling. You don't smile and gnash your teeth at the same time. No babies. There are no babies in hell. Babies are joy, a joy. No Christians. I don't think we can fully comprehend what, what a place is like without any Christians. Christians are what make things the salt. No Christians. So <clears throat> it's a place of torment and punishment. It's a place that people go to. Secondly, number two, not only do we see the proof of scriptures, but it's a place that people go to. Now, we read in verse 41, Matthew 25, 41. Notice what Jesus said. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Notice the last phrase after everlasting fire. Prepared for who? Sometimes people will say, well, if God's so loving, why did he make hell? Why does he send people to hell? First of all, God doesn't send people to hell. They go to hell because that's what they've ignored God and chosen to do, whether they meant to or not. Secondly, God did not make hell for people. 
according to Jesus, he made it, he prepared it for who? The devil and his angels. God prepared hell for the devil and his angels. However, because people choose to follow the devil and his angels, that's where they go. And so the Bible tells us that hell actually enlarged itself. God had to expand hell. Did you know that? Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter number 5. We just pick up little bits and pieces here once in a while and we say, now wait a minute, that's an interesting phrase there. It says concerning the people in verse 13 and, and their, uh, their wickedness and what they're doing. It says in verse 14, therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. Hell can get bigger if it needs to. And as the population increases, and over time in history, the population has increased. And so now hell isn't just for the devil and his angels. Hell is for those who chose to follow. So people go to hell. Look at chapter 14 and verse 9. 14 and verse 9 says, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. Hell is waiting for those who are going there. We do not desire for this to happen, and neither does God. And even though there are people that are very disgusting and despicable, just recently, just in the last few hours, someone posted a video of a man who was evidently overdosed on drugs laying in a street in Portland, Oregon. And while he's laying there, just half out of it, needles next to him, a woman is digging through his pockets and, and, and digging through his jacket and, and pulling his pants pockets out to see if she can find his money. Just, just the filthy conditions of that wonderful conservative Republican city. No, it's not. It's a filthy city like all the others. And you see stuff like that and then you hear about the filth and the wicked and, 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 and you think about people that, Man, they deserve hell. Listen, I I understand because I think and I am disgusted with human beings sometimes. But like the phrase says, I wouldn't wish hell on my worst enemy. It's going to be awful. It's horrendous. And people do go there. I've already alluded to this, so let's go to Matthew 7 and look at it. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. Straight meaning narrow. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. There's going to be many in hell. More than there will be in heaven. And there's going to be a lot of people in heaven but more in hell. That's why it says there, as I said earlier, uh, verse number 21 through 23, depart from me, I never knew you. You see those verses there. Anyway, let's go also to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. I mentioned the book of life. Chapter 13 calls it the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 20 shows us what the book of life is going to be used for. 
Now, I want to stop here and say that the book of life contains the name of every human being that was ever even conceived, not just born, but even the babies who weren't born who had life because life begins at. So the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, contains the names of every life that ever existed until they die without Jesus. And if they die without Jesus, they are blotted out from the Lamb's book of life because you can't have dead people listed in a book called the book of life. And the Bible tells us that we are dead in trespasses and sins, and yet God has given us life and life more abundantly when we get saved. And so when we get saved, we have Jesus. And the Bible says in 1 John that he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I don't care how much money they have or how much fun they're having. They're not living if they don't have Jesus. They're dying. And so God gives the opportunity for every human being to have life everlasting, as we talked about in the first lesson. But if they choose to reject Jesus Christ or to ignore the truth about Christ, who is the life, then they die without life and they are dead. And so then they are blotted out, as it says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, he blots them out of the Lamb's book of life. And as it says in other places, in fact, Moses one time prayed and said, Lord, blot me out of your book. And God said, I can't blot you out because you're a believer. That's my paraphrase, but that's what he said. Revelation 20, verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Notice how all these people are called dead. And they were judged every man's according to his works. Now, why would God judge them according to their works? Because they're not going to heaven. We don't, we don't go to heaven based on our works. But he's showing them the works that they committed and the things that they're guilty of. And so verse 14, And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so they are horrified to find out. This is called the great white throne judgment. And all of them, the small and the great, verse 12, will stand before God and they will be judged according therein. And they will ultimately be judged because the book of life, after the works are shown, the book of life will be opened and they'll say, here's the bottom line. And they go down and there's blanks and there's places or spaces where there used to be names. I don't know if it'll be alphabetical order or what, but there'll be spaces there where names existed, but they don't exist anymore and they're just not there. Also notice in verse number 13 that death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. So there's people who have died they maybe sank in the bottom of the ocean. Uh, they were buried in the grave, and ultimately they were in hell. And if they were Catholic, they might be thinking, the people who are Catholic. Now, there's tons of people who are Catholic who are in hell today. There's no doubt about that. I'm not saying everyone who was a Catholic didn't get saved and go to heaven, but I know the majority of them, if they believe Catholicism, are in heaven. And so there's tons of Catholic people who are in hell today, but probably I'm thinking possibly somebody in hell right now is thinking to themselves this is purgatory because that's what they were taught so on this day when the dead are brought out of hell to stand before God and to be finally judged in other words it's kind of like jail waiting for the court you know the sentence and to be finally sentenced they 
couldn't think very well at that moment, this is me getting out of purgatory, only to be told, no, no, you're going back. And the screams and the anger and the agony of them going back would be horrible to hear by itself. People go to hell. That's what God's word says. In John 3.16, now, John 3.16 and 2 Peter 3. I just want to have you put your finger in both of these places. We're going to look at both of them. 2 Peter 3 and John 3.16. John 3.16, I can quote this one, but I want to read it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. God was so loving. Why did he make hell? Let God was so loving, he sent his only son to die on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not, that word perish, should not perish, <clears throat> should not be ruined, should not be perished, perished meaning lost, but instead have ever lasting life. And notice the same word in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. <clears throat> the Lord is not slack <clears throat> concerning his promise, <clears throat> as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. By the way, the, the Calvinistic teaching that God damns certain people to hell and he just predetermines who goes to heaven and hell is absolute lie. He's not willing that any should perish. It's not his joy. It's not his desire to see people perish. That's why he's willing to save some of the most lousy human beings on the planet because he's not willing that they go to hell. And there are people who have gotten saved <clears throat> that other believers did not want them to get saved. Have you ever read the book of Jonah? Jonah went through Nineveh against his will, preaching that they needed to repent. I can't say for sure, but most people believe, and I'm one of them, that probably the reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh is because those people had done horrible things to the Israelites. Those people had, had done horrible things probably to Jonah's friends and family. And now God's telling him, you go preach to them. I don't want, and what did, if you read Jonah, what did he say? I didn't want to preach to you because I knew, I knew it was, if I preached, I knew it was going to happen. You was going to forgive them. <clears throat> Jonah was not happy with God for giving Nineveh the opportunity to repent. See, God's not willing that any should perish. It's not what God wants. Just because a lot of people are going doesn't mean that's what God wants. However, God can't change his word. The Bible says in Psalm 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. And ultimately, what makes you wicked enough for hell is just rejecting Jesus Christ. There are some very filthy, rotten people who got saved and they're not in hell because they turn to Christ and it has all been forgiven. <clears throat> Every human being has been created for eternity. And I want you to think about this. The word of God is inspired, as we talked about last week, which means it's God-breathed. <clears throat> and that's, that's what makes it eternal, is because it's God-breathed. And anything that God breathes can't be wasted. 
God breathed into man and man became a living soul. And so the breath of God is either going to go to heaven or hell. You see what I'm saying? But they'll never stop. God breathed. Anything God breathed can't go away. And so the souls in hell, he's lost them. Nobody's more dis, dis, disgusted or more uh, upset about people going to hell than God. <clears throat> but they don't ex- cease to exist. They'll never stop. I mean, we don't want heaven to only last for a million years, do we? We can't have it one without the other. You can't say, well, everlasting in heaven is everlasting in heaven. Oh, it's a wonderful thought. But everlasting in hell, I don't like that. Look, it's the same word, everlasting. <clears throat> and the account of the, of the rich man and Lazarus in, in Luke chapter 16, the rich man went to hell, the Bible says, and it says in Hebrews 9, 27, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We read in Revelation 20, the second death, this is the second death. Life is so uncertain. <clears throat> death can come so suddenly and untold millions are dying and going to hell. Make sure that heaven is your home. And all you got to do is visit someone who is dying. I, I challenge you. Say, no, I don't want to do that. Listen. You need to buck up and, and, and be brave enough to go visit people who are dying. What's wrong with you? First of all, if they're not saved, why wouldn't you want to go talk to them about their soul? Secondly, if they are saved, do you know what you're missing when you go to the bedside of a person who is on their way to heaven? You're missing a great encouragement. And understand this. The first death is not the biggie. The first death is not the biggie. It's the second death that's going to really get you. Revelation 20 says this is the second death. And I am confident as all get out that our friend who is currently in hospice is not going to face the second death. I'm so thankful for that. That gives all the hope in the world. See, the, the body, the physical body, it's flesh, it's human, it's got sinful nature, it's going to fall apart and eventually die and rot away but the soul will go into eternity and this soul we're talking about is going to heaven praise God for that so back to Luke chapter number excuse me Revelation let's go there first Revelation chapter 14 I want to just show you a couple other places Revelation 14 I kind of got jumped around a little bit Revelation 14 verse 10 the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Tormented. Chapter 19, verse 20. Chapter 19, verse 20 says, last part of the verse, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with fire and brimstone, burning with brimstone, this, this, these two people, the beast and the false prophet. And then it says in chapter 20 and verse 1, I saw an angel come down from heaven having a key of the bottomless pit. All right, there's the bottomless pit. That's where Satan and, and the beast and the false prophet will be for a thousand years. And then they'll be cast in a lake of fire after that forever. And verse 10 says, and the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night, not just for a thousand years now, but forever 
and ever. This is what people who die and go to hell have to look forward to as well. This is it. This is it. I have a relative that, that's in hell, I believe. I know my wife thinks the same about her relatives. It's a very sobering thought. This, this particular individual was not very nice. It wasn't a close relation. In fact, honestly, it wasn't even in a relative blood-wise. But I, I, the words just ring in my ears, thou in thy lifetime received your good things and Lazarus evil things. There are so many people who are so wealthy or, or who are so, they've got it all made, you know what I mean? They just don't have time to think about hell and they don't need to think about hell because religion's for you people, religion's a crutch that you people need because you just don't have what I have. Well, listen, the end of life, we all go to the same grave and then we go one place or the other. And it's amazing, over and over. I'm a pastor, been a pastor for a long time now, and it's amazing to me how many people say, oh, I just didn't think it would come so fast. I didn't think I, this would be my last year. And, and it's not the time and place, but I want to say, duh, man. I don't. But I want to, I'm like, we're all dying. We're not, but I know. I mean, some people are really, all of a sudden they're cancer. I'm not old enough to have cancer. Says who? Statistics, but that doesn't guarantee anything. Nobody's guaranteed a certain amount on this earth. There's no guarantee of how much that dash lasts. And even so, don't you know it's coming? It's coming. Now, praise God, there's been a provision made to escape this place of torment. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. This was Christ's ministry. This is what it, he was all about. He was not all about all this other junk that's a bunch of lies about the social gospel and feeding the poor and taking care of people and healing them and making them warm and fuzzy for 70 years. You know why I know that? Because Jesus is God and he is the eternal God and Jesus knows better than to give people a false hope of 70 years of bliss when he knows that there is an eternity out there that's way bigger than this little life that, that we're all worried about. That's why he talked the way he talked to, to people. That's why he said, if you want to save your life, don't be afraid to lose it. Because he understood what real salvation was and what real life was. He understood it, and we don't. We're human. And the thing is, is that Jesus came to earth and suffered everything that you and I deserve to have suffered. It says in Hebrews 2.9, he tasted death for every man. And I've read in my Bible more than one place where it indicates that when he died on the cross, he was in hell. I know that bothers people, and it used to bother me until I realized, well, that's what the Bible's saying. I don't know what all conditions it was like, but he was only there three days. And he conquered death in the grave, and he led captivity captive, the Bible says. 
And the greatest evidence that there's a real hell from which to save the souls of men is what God did in giving his only begotten son to save us from hell. Why did the Lord Jesus go to Calvary and die? Why was he beaten and mocked by men and forsaken by God? Someone handed me the passion of the Christ. I never had one given to me before. I've never watched it. I threw it in the garbage, and I still haven't watched it. You say, why? First of all, I don't need Mel Gibson to tell me what the Bible says. Secondly, no matter what they did on that video, I promise you that's not the big deal. The big deal is, is that a holy God became sin for the world. And to put all the emphasis on blood and gore is to take away what really he did. What really he did is took the sin of the world and became the curse of sin for us. And, 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 and no Hollywood movie camera can show that. Because there is a real hell and God made it possible that we can be saved from going there by faith in Christ. That's why he did all that. That's why he was beaten physically and, and cruelly handled and terribly just tortured. And yet we can't possibly fathom everything that he went through from the death to the resurrection. But it does say in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and this is good news if you're a saved person. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, that's what I'm looking forward to, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And that's what makes hell the worst part of all. I mean, the torture, the flame, and all that is awful. But the worst part is you're just from the presence of the Lord. It's like having no sunshine in your life. It's only much worse than that. There's, there's no God. And that's why Jude 22 and 23, Jude 22 and 23 says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. I told you a few weeks ago that I gave a tract to a, to a dude in a dress with painted nails and makeup at Menards. Why? Because if God is gracious and merciful and that individual would repent and turn to Christ... It would solve a lot of his issues here, but it would also save his soul. And it's not my job to decide who deserves one or not, but to just give the gospel. And I'd rather be guilty of giving the gospel too many times than not enough. Someone was here in the building today working on the Wi-Fi internet stuff. Made sure I gave him a tract. This afternoon I was talking with our friend at hospice, in the hospital and I said hey I said I got a couple of these in my pocket if I left them here would you maybe give them to someone and if she's not too delirious she probably will why not carry these everywhere and why not talk to people all the time it doesn't matter who you think's deserving they need to get saved 
save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, sharing the gospel with them. But what if I offend them? Oh boy, I'd rather tell them the bridge is out and let them drive by and find out the hard way. Many people who know the Lord are wasting their lives by substituting good things for the best things. That's why we sang so little time. Because there's a whole bunch of do-gooders out there that are doing a lot of good things, but it's not the best thing. Imagine spending your life in eternity. And let's say you go to heaven, and you're in heaven, and I'm in heaven, and we talk. And let's say we're talking to someone, and they say, so what would you do with your life? Well, I spent my life making sure that there was enough, and I'm just going to make something up, and I hope it doesn't offend anybody, that there were enough aspen and quaking aspen and birch trees in the Black Hills. Because I really felt like we were starting to see the encroachment of some bad weeds and stuff and disease. And so I spent my life making sure that the Black Hills had more aspens and birch. Well, I just made that up. I just made that up. Okay? But in heaven, I just want you to try to picture how exciting that must be. All right? Or I spent my whole life making sure that Bob Barker's message got out and animals were spayed and neutered. Remember that on Prices Right? Don't forget to make sure your animals... Look, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can pick that sounds good. Not a bad thing. Not going to try to pick on it. I'm just saying, when I get to heaven, what do I want to say I was doing? And Romans 10.14 says, how shall they hear without a preacher? That doesn't just mean a guy with a suit and a tie on. It just means everybody who preaches the gospel. The greatest thing we can do with our lives is to give the gospel message to those who are lost. Hell is more than a Bible subject. It's a real place. It's a real place. Hell is more than just something that we use as a word. It's a real place. Share the gospel with people. And oh, by the way, if you need to neuter your, your pet or you want to plant trees, I'm not picking on you for that. And I just came out of my head. The point is, is what's important? What's important? Come on, what's important? And if you'll just, as the song says, look at people with eternity's values in view. But pastor, they had a Joe Biden t-shirt on. Exactly. I don't care if they are Republican or Democrat. There's a good chance they're not saved, either one. And they need to hear the gospel. And they don't need to hear us arguing with about other stuff. That might taint the gospel. They just need to hear the gospel and share the gospel with them and give them the good news. And hell is at the end of every Christless life. Hell is at the end of all things that people think they're they're going to go to and, and people that's, I'm not going to turn back there because we're over time but Matthew chapter 7 says that they're going to say didn't we do wonderful works we made sure that animals were taken care of we made sure that the vegetation was wonderful we made sure that and we did this and we did that and we even fed people who, were, who didn't have enough food and, and probably, probably God's going to go yeah you fed them so they could buy more cigarettes and alcohol I don't, I don't know if he's going to say that or not. I'm just guessing. We did this. 
I don't care what you say you did. If it wasn't the best thing, you wasted your time with eternity's values in view. And you can say, oh, I don't like it when pastors get wound up. I'm going to tell you right now, a thousand years from now, it won't feel like it very wound up. Because we're looking over the balcony of heaven, and we're seeing what's happening. We're just like, the only regret I'm going to have is, as the song says, that I didn't do more because hell is a real place. It's a real place. And I'm only ashamed that I haven't acted more energetic about it. And I hope you are sober-minded about hell tonight. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you how important it is a reminder to us that we need to know that we need to be reminded that we will see people not as we are so usually tempted to see them but that we would see people as eternal beings headed somewhere and help us to push the other stuff aside and just focus on that and, and try to win them and try to tell them they need to know something they might not want to know. Lord, help us not to be unbalanced, but help us to, at the same time, be very, very truthful and biblical in what we say. Because many versus few. So help us to reach the lost. Thank you that our friend who is in hospice tonight got reached. Thank you that you are so merciful and gracious to reach us and help us, no matter what we're focused on right now, to see the big picture and to see what you see all the time and to reach the lost. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.